G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As a parent, we assume that the responsibility for the welfare and for the values that our children are taught belong to us. But what appears to be happening around Australia is a growing tendency to undermine parents' rights with the assumption that someone else knows best. Now, a new opinion poll has found that parents do want to know if their kids are being taught radical ideas like gender fluidity, and they are more likely to back a political party or a candidate for election who shares their values. Some parents have even been afraid to take their children to a hospital emergency room for fear that one wrong answer could result in the removal of their child from parental care. There are some big issues continuing to grow around parents in school grounds and the curriculum that children are exposed to. And what of the question of whether the state has any business interfering in childhood by conditioning children's sexual responses through programs like the Safe Schools Program or the so-called Respectful Relationships Programs that are prevalent in some states. So, who should have the final say on responsibility for children, parents or the state? Well, our special guest today, Kiralee Smith, is spokesperson for the organisation called Binary. And Binary is like a rebranding of what many of us came to know during the marriage debate as Marriage Alliance. And Kiralee Smith is joining us. Hi, Kiralee. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you for having me, Neil. Kiralee, let's start with, let me just ask you a big question here. Uh, Is this another generation that's being stolen, this time by a particular agenda. Absolutely. There is definitely a Marxist agenda at play, and I think most people would be familiar with that term, especially in the recent months. Uh, It's a very popular term uh, being thrown around, I guess, in social media in particular. But there has been an agenda um, for more than 100 years, actually. It's the coming together of things like Marxism, socialism, communism, Fabianism. There's lots of isms. Um, You can call it whatever you like, but it's definitely an agenda to dismantle the family. And it's very anti-God in many, many ways. And this generation in particular is being targeted uh, with this agenda, which is to dismantle the, the family, which is to increase the size and scope and reach of government into our lives so that there's a dependency on government and that the government has more control over what we do say and think. And we're seeing that in many, many areas of uh, society. Uh, I specialise in the, the area of gender, but we're seeing it uh, in many areas with the Black Lives Matter debate, with the uh, climate change debates, with the uh, all the social issues, I guess, uh, life, uh, you know, very, that, that's, uh, whether it's euthanasia, whether it's abortion, these agendas are very insidious and creeping into all areas in society. 
You know, uh, Marxism, cultural Marxism, has been really something of, and uh, not necessarily intentional, a focus that's come out so often in the conversations on 2020 this week. Uh, the idea of a Marxist agenda. Uh, this is, and as you say, there's lots of isms, and what those isms have in common is their godlessness. There is a difference in the way that a person who has a biblical Christian view sees the elements of political life. And it's very different from the godless way that Marxists see that. And uh, let me just, to just uh, qualify this at the beginning of our conversation, because I as I understand it, uh, Kiralee, Binary, the organization that you represent, doesn't actually present itself as a Christian organization, but you yourself have a strong Christian faith. And so when we talk about Marxism, when we talk about what a Christian might think of these things, this is very much in your thinking. Oh, absolutely. I have a Bachelor of Theology. I'm a very committed, born-again Christian, Bible-believing. And, uh, you know, many of the people I work with would uh, have similar values and say the same thing. Um, But we have deliberately not branded Binary as a Christian organisation because this issue is concerning for people right across, uh, you know, political and religious beliefs. And so we think that all deserve to have a voice in this space who are concerned about defending and celebrating and promoting uh, male and female as binary, as two genders, that's it, full stop. So, uh, But all the values that we come from are very much from a, a Christian perspective. And I wanted to qualify that because we're going to be talking about a new poll that was commissioned by Binary, and you might like to give us some insights into the extent of the interviews that were done with Australians. Uh, I guess every state and territory around the country. Uh, Let's get some insight into that new poll. Uh, It was conducted in March this year and uh, only just recently uh, results and findings being released. Uh, What are your, uh, just give us uh, some uh, some insights insights into into the foundation of of the poll that you've taken? Sure. It was um, just short of 4,000 people, I believe, that we interviewed and um, asked questions, uh, of, as you said, across the board, across uh, all states in Australia. And we also spoke to people of all different political persuasions. And uh, if people want to contact me, I can show them a copy of the report if they want to see the details. But basically, it wasn't surprising, I guess, to me and probably wouldn't be surprising to you or many of the listeners. However, many politicians will be very surprised with the uh, results of this poll and we will be getting this poll in front of them and that is that uh, 78% of parents want to know what their children are being taught and want the right to pull their children out of classes that don't share their values. Uh, WA and Queensland were very high. They were in the 80% in those states where parents really want involvement and a say in what their children are being exposed to. And I think it was overwhelmingly bipartisan as well. And, uh, you know, there was 72% of Labor voters and 88% of coalition voters who support uh, parental rights in this way. And I think that the ALP in particular will have to sit up and take notice of this because in the last federal election, they're very confused in their gender policies. And in the end, did uh, Anthony Albanese did confess that that probably played a part in their poor showing. And uh, I think that we're seeing swings across the board and concerns and a lot of confusion within the ALP and a lot of division within the ALP camp over their gender policies. But this message from parents is clear. From voters of all camps, they want to have the right to pull their children out of 
classes that are teaching radical gender ideology. We're going to unpack that some more. Just to come back to this poll, though, because oftentimes we're exposed to polls and we know that uh, political polls in the lead-up to elections are not always uh, very accurate, but polling that gathers uh, the insights of people like the one that you have done, oftentimes uh, the poll sample will be only around about 1,000 people and and the experts would tell us that that'll be uh, reflective of the whole nation. But you've got 3,842 interviews, which means that your sample size actually is a pretty significant sample size and is likely to give us a very good reflection of how ordinary Australians, and as you say, from all political persuasions and perhaps all types of different religious backgrounds, are feeling about these questions that you've been asking. So the results that you've come up with are likely to be quite reliable, and that is something that is going to capture the imaginations, no doubt, of politicians who are thinking along these issues. Uh, This sample size is pretty exciting, I think. Oh, I agree, Neil. And we were very deliberate in making sure that it was a very large sample size and we had the independently weighted, which basically means we had an independent organisation go through and uh, put the numbers together in a way that, uh, you know, is not showing bias, is is very accurate reflection of the answers to those questions. And that will help us a great deal, obviously, when we go before the politicians, because uh, our organisation obviously would be considered quite controversial to some camps. And uh, so we wanted to be above reproach in, in presenting these findings. And I'm very confident uh, with these findings that they are accurate and they are very reflective of the, the nation as a whole. Look, some special honour here to Binary for going along this pathway of actually doing a survey uh, which has a large sample size, uh, which actually, you know, in some sense, uh, we might as Christians say, well, uh, we knew that those sorts of findings would come out, but there's a certain sense here, and I'll get your thoughts, Kiralee, that politicians, whether they're in Canberra or whether they're in the capital cities around Australia, they're all in their own political bubble. It doesn't matter what persuasion they are, whether they're conservatives or whether they're progressives, they're in their own little bubble, and they're being uh, influenced by various propaganda that's coming from interest groups who are pushing their own agenda. So you've got to have this sort of reliable poll that will reflect community attitudes for anyone to take notice. So there's something special in having this poll. Absolutely. There is no doubt that there is a bubble. Uh, There's a Canberra bubble and then there's all the state bubbles. And, uh, you know, there's cliches such as the squeaky wheel, you know, gets the oil because it's true. And they are getting lobbied very heavily by very small minority groups who are very vocal, very persuasive, very aggressive in their lobbying, uh, who make threats, um, you know, some more than others. They're also... um, just just very noisy getting in the faces of these politicians. And this is why I say to our supporters all the time, it is essential that your local members hear from you. What is your opinion? What are your thoughts on all of these issues? Because they can only go by what they're hearing from their constituents. And I think a lot of conservatives and or Christians, uh, we, we go about our lives, our daily lives. We run our businesses. We raise our families. We are community involved. But we don't take necessarily a lot of time to either complain or praise necessarily our local members. And I think that uh, that would be something I would greatly encourage people to do because when our politicians are seeing these sort of polls, 
when they're hearing this sort of feedback, they will sit up and take notice, but they have to hear it and be aware of it in the first place to be able to do that. So I can do that on behalf of binary and and be a voice for, for people in the nation, but I think it, it carries a lot more weight when our supporters get involved and engaged in this process as well. Uh, Kiralee, we're going to unpack a question or two from the survey poll that you've done, uh, but uh, in brief, if we're talking about in a nutshell, what were the key findings of the survey uh, as you are able to reflect this is what Australians feel about these questions we're asking? Uh, yeah, so the the primary question was, you know, are parents wanting to know what their children are being taught in school regarding radical gender theory? The overwhelming response was yes. Even Green supporters want to know what their children are being taught. Uh, secondly, I would say that the most significant question was, do you want the right as parents to withdraw your children from classes that you think are teaching inappropriate lessons? And overwhelmingly, again, the answer was yes. That was across states, across uh, belief systems across uh, political persuasions. And then, you know, we also, because we are taking this poll to politicians, we asked people, well, will that likely affect your vote? How your member or how your candidates would perceive this issue? And again, uh, most likely, yes. Uh, voters will be persuaded by what the values of their candidates are. Now, I have a Facebook poll running today, and uh, it's not an official poll like the one we're talking about, uh, the one that Binary has run, but our Facebook poll that we're inviting listeners to participate in today asks the question, is there an agenda behind the erosion of parental rights in Australia? And uh, early uh, numbers as people have begun to respond to that poll on Facebook, 87% saying yes, there is an agenda, 13% saying no, there's not. And I'm encouraging listeners today, uh, participate in that poll, facebook.com forward slash vision radio and make use of the comments section uh, where you can engage with other listeners on 2020 and uh, perhaps agree or disagree in a courteous way and, uh, and talk to each other about how you're feeling about the conversation as it unfolds today. Is there an agenda behind the erosion of parental rights in Australia? This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, do want to throw open our talkback line, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. You can respond to that Facebook poll too at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question asked on the poll today, is there an agenda behind the erosion of parental rights in Australia? Our special guest is Kiralee Smith. She's spokesperson for the organisation organisation called Binary. Uh, Kiralee, let's uh, get into some of the more detailed findings of your survey. Uh, let's come to that key question that you mentioned. Uh, let me just say what the question is and we'll get your thoughts here. Do you believe that parents should be entitled to know what their child is being taught and to remove them from classes that teach them that gender can change, can change based on how they feel? Uh, let's uh, let's uh, get into some of the details around that. Uh, what was it that came to light uh, on that question most immediately? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, the total percentage of people, 
uh, percent of people, yes, they want to know what their children are being taught and they want to remove their uh, child from classes that are teaching radical gender theory. Uh, I wasn't terribly surprised with the breakdown of states. Um, Victoria had the uh, lowest yes vote, so to speak. So only 70% of parents uh, felt strongly about that. Um, Whereas in WA, Queensland, it was 83 and 84% respectively. Tasmania, 81%. And both uh, New South Wales and South Australia was 79%. Sorry. So so they're, they're very high percentages in such a, a large poll of parents who are very concerned. Now, if you do break down the poll a bit more too, it wasn't just parents who were answering these questions. There were grandparents, there were concerned citizens. Uh, you didn't have to have children at school to answer this question. So uh, I'm not surprised but that, that there would be some people who would say no. Some of them won't be parents. Some of them would be quite liberal in their thinking, uh, small in that sense. So... Okay, in most part, they're seeking to make the changes uh, so far as issues like gender fluidity without parental knowledge or consent. When you get a 78% saying, yes, parents should have the right, it flies in the face of uh, what we're led to believe when we hear of these sorts of things progressing in our schools. Well, that's right. In Queensland, you know, safe schools was being taught and the Queensland government refused to release the list of what schools were actually using the program. And that's infuriating to parents. Of course it is. And if they don't know what their children are being taught, it's very hard to um, to counter that in, in many ways. And some parents have spoken to me that when they've gone to the schools, they've then felt that their children have been singled out or ostracised, that they as a parent uh, have felt very intimidated by the school leaders there and what they're teaching. Um, we've had examples in New South Wales where uh, safe schools was banned in 2017 and yet during the lockdown when children were being educated from home, um, you know, parents were discovering that they were in fact being sent home assignments uh, under the safe banner. So it, it's very, very disturbing for, for parents to realise that these insidious programs are still being promoted in their schools and that they have very little access to that information and very little ability under law to remove their children from those classes. Kira Lee, your survey has a breakdown by state. Uh, were there anything uh, outstanding with regard to which states uh, were more uh, stronger on their opinions than others? Uh, like I said, it wasn't surprising to me. I would think that uh, Victoria would have the lowest, uh, that's a more progressive state in inverted commas, I'd say, that embracing to embrace the Marxist agenda far more. And we see that evidenced in the election of people like Daniel, Daniel Andrews to government. And uh, they they have mandatory safe school style programs. Uh, so I guess Victorians are a little bit more accepting, but it's still 70% of parents want to know what they're being taught and want to remove their children from classes if they're not satisfied. Uh, not surprised that, that more conservative states like uh, West Australia, uh, Queensland, New South Wales, uh, you know, high 70s, low 80%. So uh, I don't think, for me, there were any surprises, but I do think there will be surprises for some politicians in those states.
Interestingly, when you single out a Daniel Andrews uh, because of his progressive uh, status, uh, more socialist inclined, uh, you know, saying he's leading the most progressive state in the country, uh, it's not just the political leaders because the political leaders tend to stand on the shoulders of public servants and teachers and uh, people who are uh, bureaucrats. There's a certain sense here in which there's not just political leaders who have this sort of cultural Marxist bent, but there are people right throughout the whole system. Uh, what are your thoughts on on just how uh, how permeated uh, our, some of our states are with uh, a more serious agenda like this? Very, very very permeated. It's been a very deliberate indoctrination and infiltration into the education system in particular, our, whether it's uh, infants, primary, high school or tertiary education. Uh, we have people like Ros Ward who are self-proclaimed Marxists or communists. Uh, we have a lot of people in the education systems in each state who are very open about the agenda, who are very uh, unapologetic in wanting to uh, push these sort of programs onto our children and alarmingly these people are unelected officials they're making very important decisions about what our children are being taught and we have very little recourse uh, as parents to do anything about it at the moment and so we have a campaign that we're currently running about parental rights and taking that to the politicians in each state uh, again, to show them that uh, this is what parents want, this is what parents deserve, and this is what parents are going to vote for in the uh, coming elections. Uh, now, it's all very good to have a breakdown by state and say uh, WA, Queensland, New South Wales, perhaps a little more conservative than states like Victoria. And to talk about your survey question, and the question wasn't just put to people who were in states, it was across uh, different partisan positions politically too. And I wonder whether you've got any reflection when it comes to parents' rights uh, of how people who have come from different political persuasions have seen the idea of parents' rights, Kiralee. Yeah, well, that's right. So I would guess the, the centre and centre-right and right uh, sort of leaning parties have a very high percentage of voters who want parental rights because the, the hallmark of, you know, whether it's One Nation, the coalition and similar parties is personal responsibility and family is the, the centre of which every, like which all life revolves around, um, you know, whether it's business, education, whatever it is, family is the centre of those. So, you know, One Nation supporters were, were 90% um, wanting these rights, the coalition were very close behind at 88%. Uh, the ALP, I did find that a little surprising that 72% of all ALP voters also want these rights and I don't think that's reflected in all ALP uh, candidates or representatives that, as I said at the top, there's, there's a lot of confusion in their policy. They contradict each other a lot of the time and they're not consistent uh, yet the voters seem to be far more consistent than their representatives with 72% of ALP voters 
uh, wanting these rights. And also, surprisingly, was 40, 46% of Greens, which is almost half. Um, I, I think we tend to categorise the Greens um, or stereotype them as being very radical, very out there, very left-wing, whereas uh, here we have 40, 46% of Greens voters wanting the right to know what their children are being taught at school and the right to remove them if they feel that that is inappropriate. Uh, interesting, with Green voters, uh, many think that the Greens are only about green issues, uh, as people call them the watermelon Greens, uh, green on the outside, red on the inside. There's that certain progressive element of the Greens. But as you say, it's very significant that so many Green voters, as parents, do want to have the responsibility to be able to influence their children's values. They want to have some control. And uh, so it is really quite right across the board. Parents want to be able uh, to know what their kids are being taught and they want to have the right to pull them out if they don't like what they're being taught. And that's something I think that uh, that somehow or other needs to be reinforced, Kiralee. Well, that's what we're working on, Neil. Absolutely. That's the point of this poll. That's the point of the campaigns that we're currently running. We do have politicians in most states who are willing uh, now to start putting up their hands to speak more publicly about things. We've seen things like George Christensen, Mark Latham and uh, Senator Amanda Stoker and others who are prepared to speak out on these issues and these values. And we're hoping that there'll be a lot more that come on board in the coming months once we can uh, start having those space meetings again and that the, the focus can come back on to the values of families and, and children in particular. Uh, Kiralee, before we take some calls, uh, let me just ask you about uh, one of the key issues here with regard to understanding the survey, and that's one of the areas that binary is very strong on, and that is having a definition of a woman and a man. I wonder whether you can take us into just how significant that is for us understanding these things. Sure, Neil. It's far more significant than most people realise. And this is one of the, um, you know, we started by talking about the Marxist agenda. And the Marxist agenda, cultural Marxism, is about redefining words and uh, using euphemisms, and we see that all the time. And when it comes to... Uh, gender, what we saw was the degendering of marriage has now led to the degendering of many, many aspects of society. And what we've discovered is that under law, most of the time, there is no actual definition uh, of the word woman or the word man. And so uh, a very interesting exercise was to ask the New South Wales government and Gladys Berejiklian's office, uh, what's your definition of the term woman? Because they accepted a biological male into a female New South Wales Women of the Year awards. And all they could come back with was a circular, nonsensical definition, which is not a definition, that says a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman. But I put to you and to everyone else, if you can't define what a woman is, how do you, def- how do you identify as one? Uh, we all know how science just defines the term male, female, man, woman, and that is that you have XY chromosomes if you're a man, you have uh, male reproductive systems, and you have the capacity to produce male hormones. The same with females, uh, except it's XX chromosomes, a female reproductive system, and the ability to produce female hormones. And what we're being expected and asked to do now with gender fluidity programs and the indoctrination in our school is to redefine these terms. For anyone who wants to be a woman can be a woman, which means basically nobody is a woman because you can't define the term. So it's it's very important at the political level that those definitions can be 
implemented and endorsed and enforced, but also at the educational level because it's very confusing for our children and what it does is open the floodgates for radical gender activists to... Uh, to indoctrinate and to infiltrate into these things and to cause a great deal of division in children and families throughout our communities. <laughs> Groups are, uh, are causing the confusion and then exploiting the confusion. A very, very significant uh, context uh, for talking about the sorts of things we are today. And there's plenty more to say, and especially around the issues of uh, men and women in sport. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. We are talking, taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Mel in Queensland. Hi, Mel. Welcome. Uh, yes, good morning. Um, the matter that I'd like to bring to your attention and that of listeners is that... Um, the offer of philosophy programs in state public schools and in state high schools. Um, I have had a look at um, this curriculum and I've had uh, teachers and uh, eminent um, uh, Bible study teachers have a look at this and uh, there is a lot of um, moral teachings that are contrary to scripture um, and uh, teaching uh, that is... um, incorrect regarding creation and uh, uh, every uh, parent has the right to withdraw their child or grandchild from these uh, philosophy programs. They are not compulsory. They are not part of the standard curriculum like English history and geography. Um, They have, there's a lot of uh, flaws and um, incorrection and the danger for our children and grandchildren is that uh, it may lead to confusion um, for those children who are in a uh, Christian uh, upbringing. So I just pass on that uh, that um, those comments and that warning. Thank Mel, you. thank you so much for that. Uh, response from Kiralee Smith. Yeah, well, thank you, Mel. And, and that's correct. There are programs like Philosophy that are opt-in or opt-out and, and are elective. And it is very concerning and it is very confusing for our children. Um, what I find even more concerning in a lot of our schools is that they're now saying, whether it's English or science or whatever it is, that they start to also include these concepts of gender fluidity. And uh, so it's permeating into every single subject. And some of those subjects we're not allowed to withdraw children from. And that's what we have great concerns about when these are the underlying issues and the underlying uh, philosophies and concepts that are being taught. So um, I agree with you, Mel, and, and I think it is very concerning, And uh, but it goes even beyond that, unfortunately. And Mel, you're in Queensland, and undoubtedly there'll be parents in other states and territories around Australia that might be able to reflect on what is being offered in schools by regard to those sorts of things. Uh, interesting, Kiralee, when you do away with and or water down or minimise or marginalise the idea of uh, religious education, scripture teaching, those sorts of things in schools, uh, then all sorts of other things that come under the banner of philosophy will want to come and take their place. And that offers a different perspective. What are your thoughts for the way things are moving that way? Yeah, look, I think that uh, there's... there's, That's a really big question, first of all. I think... 
that in schools, what we've lost the ability to do is to present information and to teach children how to think critically and to arrive at their own answers. Our education system now is full of trendy and uh, very concerning subjects and ideas that are presented as factual, whereas in fact they're not. They are ideas, they're ideologies, they're philosophies, they're, uh, they're things that, yeah, are trying to fill that vacuum of where scripture or the Bible has been removed. And instead of uh, encouraging children to assess those things from a critical point of view, the children are expected to accept those things. And I think that is the greater issue going on. And uh, unfortunately, again, it's because of a small minority of very strong activists that have gotten into uh, bureaucratic bureaucratic positions that have an enormous influence on what our children are being exposed to at school. At 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. You might have a question, you might have a comment. You can respond to on our Facebook page. There's a poll that's operating there today. It asks the question, is there an agenda behind the erosion of parental rights in Australia? I've got to say uh, that the numbers have changed dramatically, 98% now agreeing that, yes, there is an agenda, only 2% saying there is no agenda when it comes to the erosion of parental rights in Australia. But let's come back to what we were talking about, this definition of a woman and a man, because there's major ramifications in all of this, Kiralee. Let's talk about men and women in sport. Uh, What are your thoughts about the changes that are really upon us now? I think it's extremely alarming, Neil, that particularly what's happening is biological males are identifying as females and wanting to participate in the female categories of sport, whether it's, um, you know, athletics, football, you name it. It's, uh, you know, to anybody with, you know, reasonable thinking, you know that there is always going to be an unfair advantage. That's why we have divisions in sport. We have female categories. We have male categories because males, particularly as they go through and have completed the process of puberty are stronger, faster, taller, uh, all of those things. So it's for women's safety, but it's also for a fair playing field. And unfortunately, Sport Australia, uh, along with the Human Rights Commission, have come out with a policy that basically uh, tries to enforce or to uh, encourage all sporting organisations to accept uh, that that children and adults can participate in whatever category they feel like at the time, regardless of the, the safety and the privacy issues that that presents, particularly to vulnerable girls. And we're finding that that's a real disincentive for girls in sport. Uh, lots of examples from around the world, but in nearly every category of sport, males have a better times or better results than females in the same category. So it's very unfair and it's very disturbing and it's extremely alarming that our taxpayer dollars are funding organisations such as Sport Australia that come up with these policies. And as you say, these things could be uh, on the way to being resolved if there were people in government, people in leadership positions who had enough courage to actually stand for a definition of a woman and of a man. It goes beyond just sport, though. Uh, Our prisons are in a significant uh, place here so far as transgender. Uh, What are your thoughts around what's happening in prisons? 
Yeah, well, recently the Australian reported that there's up to 400 transgender prisoners in Australia. There's no across or no national policy of where these transgender prisoners should be housed, although there are reports that there are biological males who have not had surgery, who may or may not have had uh, some medication, uh, but they self-identify as women and they're males and they're in female prisons. This, of course, presents a great danger to women in those prisons and we've seen in examples around the world that that has resulted in sexual assaults and rape and uh, very, very violent criminals being housed uh, with these women and it's very, very concerning. Most women in prison are already extremely vulnerable and to put them in that position is very irresponsible uh, of our society to do that. So policies are required for these definitions. Now, I do want to say also, Neil, that in this, I'm not saying that transgender people cannot play sport or, uh, you know, that, that we shouldn't have compassion on them um, when they're in prison, but I think that we need to come up with another solution, uh, such as in the UK, there are examples of housing transgender prisoners together and the violence uh, massively decreases when that happens and it's not putting uh, as many people at risk. So I think there are solutions to these issues uh, that everyone can be accommodated, but it shouldn't be at the expense, particularly of vulnerable women and girls. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take a call from Peter in Marumba Downs in Queensland. Hi, Peter. Thanks for waiting patiently. Hi, I just forgot your name. Neil. Neil, sorry, Neil. My opinion about children at school right through to university is... We didn't vote for Bill Shorten because he wanted to take half our income away from us, elders, and put a, a lot of things put against us. And I don't feel safe if I voted anymore. So I dropped out of voting off the electoral roll. The audacity of Canberra said I was on sound mind. I'm very sound mind. And reason to everything. And I think the children should not be take away the Bible. The Bible's sacred in America. Now they're going to erode that with protests. All that happens with protests, we get more coronavirus. No control. People won't listen to their leaders. Peter, you're making some interesting points there. I wonder whether, and I'll get a response from Kira Lee, but uh, Peter, I can hear your frustration, but the idea of withdrawing from voting may actually not uh, be a uh, productive way to respond. Uh, Kira Lee, I wonder if you've got a thought or two for Peter and and uh, you, you might like to pick up on that idea because some people have said, oh, the, the system's uh, rigged, uh, I'm not going to vote at all. Uh, that might not be the best response. What are your thoughts, Kira Lee? Thanks, Neil. And um, hi, Peter. And I, I hear your frustration and I share your frustration. I think that, uh, you know, I've even written articles that, that politics is broken in this country because in many ways it is, but it, it's a system that we're stuck with. And I think that we need to take uh, that responsibility to be engaged uh, in the process as much as possible. And uh, that that is voting, but I also would say we need to go a step beyond voting, and that is to make our voices be heard. And whether it's supporting organisations like Binary, uh, whether it's, you know, there's, there's lots of other great uh, politically engaged organisations that you can also support, but more than anything to be making sure your voice is heard with your local members, representatives and candidates, because... Uh, this is the system that we have and we, ha- we need to make the best of a bad situation uh, in that sense. And I think that we can. And 
I'll give you a couple of examples. We've run some uh, specific campaigns in by-elections and in the federal election with focusing on drag queen story time and then just recently uh, in the in Monero by-election in New South Wales and uh, we were exposing uh, one of the candidates' uh, support of safe schools. Now, both of those uh, areas, we saw a massive swing against both candidates because of the information that we were able to present to the electorate. So I think it's very, very important to be engaged. A lot of people in Australia aren't very engaged and don't know what's going on. And I think that if we can present them with the information, it helps them to make more informed decisions. And hopefully that will come out at the polls at election time. Thank you so much to Peter from Marumba Downs. And let me just apologise a moment. I used a word a few moments ago, rigged, and that's probably not a good word to use. And uh, I'll apologise for using that. And uh, the word... Uh, broken or uh, perceived brokenness uh, for some of our political system might be a better way to express that. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Joseph is on the line from Blacktown in New South Wales. Hi, Joseph. Oh, hi, Neil. Thanks for taking my call. Joseph, what are your thoughts? Yeah, what it is, Neil, um, we find that all our um, biblical foundations of Genesis uh, are all under attack um, in the in the day and age we live in. You know, and, and this um, gender debate is is just another uh, phase of that of of, of progressives uh, wishing to sort of tear down biblical principles. The Lord God made male and female um, in His image. He made them uh, male and female, and we seem to be fighting the wrong um, uh, argument, though, because rather than, than, I mean, people, if they want to identify as the opposite gender, compete in sport, are, are, are required to undergo all kinds of hormonal level tests and all this sort of thing. What we should just do is encourage, uh, the, in the conversation, encourage uh, governing uh, bodies of sports to protect our beautiful sisters and daughters, that somebody just have a chromosomal test. And if your chromosomes tell you that you're XX, you compete with the girls. If your chromosomes say you're XY, you compete with the men. Uh, Joseph, I like that reasoning. It takes it right back to the very, very foundations of what it is to be male and female. Uh, Kira Lee, your thoughts for Joseph? Yeah, well said, Joseph. I agree. There is a, a fundamental attack on the principles of Genesis. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And hence why we want the term male, female or man and woman defined from that scientific point of view of chromosomes, hormones and reproductive systems because they're undeniable. They speak for themselves. They uh, and they're fair. It's a very fair way to determine uh, which sporting category, which prisons, which awards. <laughs> like the list goes on. Shelters, you name it. Uh, it will define all of those things for us, which is what we've always taken for granted. We've always assumed those things, and unfortunately, uh, the activists have taken those assumptions and exploited them, and are now, uh, you know, causing chaos in our communities and so we need to take a stand and come back to those biblical foundations and principles that there is male and there is female and it's very good. Uh, Joseph from Blacktown, thank you so much for your call. I'm going to have to put a line under the calls uh, for today and there's a whole lot of people who would love to have had their say. Uh, We'll uh, hold back on those because only a few minutes remaining in our conversation. I did want to ask you about another dimension of the survey uh, that Binary took and the findings and uh, to quickly touch on this because it's come out about, you know, the system that we're a part of and how you influence that system. Uh, There is a question that you 
you asked, Kiralee, in your binary survey, and it was around uh, candidates and parties, uh, would you be more or less likely to support a political party or candidate committed to introducing laws that guarantee a parent's right to know what their child is being taught at school? Uh, very quickly here, uh, Kiralee, what were the, in a nutshell, findings that you came up with uh, with the survey? Yeah, well, uh, overwhelmingly, the One Nation and Coalition supporters, so Liberal and National Party uh, supporters, uh, absolutely are more likely to support a candidate who will enforce their values, will endorse and go to bat for them in those areas. So the ALP uh, voters were about 42%, Greens 15%, others, you know, more than half. So they're, they're very strong indicators and politicians really need to sit up and take notice of what parents and what the community expectations are when it comes to children and what they're being taught at school. And this whole survey, the theme is very strong that parents want the right and no matter what party they're a part of, they want to be able to uh, withdraw children from inappropriate lessons. Well, they're powerful findings, and it's one thing to have a survey, poll result, and to have these findings which speak glaringly towards what a lot of people will say is common sense. And no doubt the reason why there's been such a significant response to the poll. It's another thing now, another dimension, to get those poll results before politicians, before decision makers, before people who are driving the agenda in a different way because they think that everybody wants to go along with them. There's some challenges ahead, Kiralee, but taking this to the next level and getting these sorts of findings into the public realm, uh, what do you think you can do to do to do that, to advance that uh, idea? Yeah, thank you, Neil. We are uh, developing and have developed a policy pack to take to those politicians that present this information clearly we also present solutions to the issues. We're not just raising problems, but we are raising solutions. And some of those solutions include the things we've spoken about, like defining the term uh, male and female, man and woman. We're looking at giving parents the right under law uh, to have a say in their children's education and, and development. Uh, we want to be able, we want we want to support those politicians, uh, and there are several of them. There are, there is an increasing number of politicians who are aware that this is an issue for parents and for their constituents. So it's now a matter of uh, getting those packs. Uh, completed, printed and in the hands of those politicians. So that's what we'll be focusing on for the rest of this year. Uh, no doubt, uh, for some listeners, Binary is still a new organisation. We've spoken on a number of occasions now and we've talked about Binary and uh, it's becoming a significant outfit. Uh, no doubt you'd like a few more friends and partners. Uh, is there a way that people can support you or is there any particular need right now for uh, support from listeners to a program like this today? Yeah, absolutely. If you visit uh, binary.org.au, you can join up. You can get weekly emails. There's several campaigns. If you look on the website on the top right-hand corner, there's a drop-down uh, bar that you can look at the campaigns we're currently involved in that you can participate in. I can be the spokesperson, but I need the, the people to, um, to come behind us. So there's several different causes or campaigns that you can donate to at the moment, and it would be greatly appreciated. The activists are very well organised and well funded, and uh, we've got a lot of work to do to, to match them in that area. But I'm very committed, and so are the 
tens of thousands of supporters that are already a part of Binary. So I want to invite everybody else to, to get on board. And uh, interestingly, I mean, there are organisations like the Australian Christian Lobby or Family Voice Australia, or even we had the Australian Family Association on just before you. Uh, there's a need for lots of organisations and perhaps even focusing on uh, different dimensions and specialising in areas of influence there. But uh, Binary certainly has a real opportunity here, and uh, especially because you've got this defined way of speaking into these issues. And so uh, let me just encourage support for Binary, binary binary.org.au. And uh, Kiralee Smith is the spokesperson for Binary. That's binary.org.au. Just to finish off, our Facebook question today, is there an agenda behind the erosion of parental rights in Australia? Let me just say that it's come in and there's quite a lot of votes on that poll. You can join in that poll and leave your comment too. 98% say yes, there is an agenda behind the erosion of parental rights in Australia. Kiralee Smith, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.